Welcome to After Credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, his people do not call him general or king. They call him Arturo Zurita. Can you imagine, though? They just don't listen to me, but I listened and heard that there was some really cool stuff out there for the Black Panther premiere that they were going to be giving out with collectibles and... My man, we went all out. I was a little worried that this was going to happen during the movie. And I was going to be like, great, I'm going to be the one person who's got this shining the entire time. Right. Remember me, to turn but... off your phone, but not your popcorn you know? bucket. <laughs> exactly. My sneakers already <laughs> light up enough as it is, Zach. But we are here to talk about one of the biggest sequels out mm. of the MCU. It's got a lot of backstory to it. Uh, a lot of stuff that has been hyped up leading into this one. A lot of hashtags. A lot of theories. This really feels like the biggest movie uh, in the Phase 4 that we've gotten so far. For sure. Uh, I know there have been other ones with several you know, spiders that may have been really cool. But in terms of like the actual uh, phase of the MCU, this I, I went into uh, feeling like this was going to be the next step in starting what it's going to be. I don't know how you felt, Zach. I don't know your approach to this being, you know, not necessarily the biggest MCU fanboy out there. But nonetheless, I feel like you were kind of excited for this one. I think you respect the for first sure. one a lot. For sure. I mean, Black Panther is top three MCU, at least for me. And one of the few ones that I feel like has a real authorial directorial voice coming from the top. Mm -hmm. So as a fan of that film, and especially as a fan of Ryan Coogler, I was definitely excited to get back into Black Panther. Uh, and it's going to be exciting to talk about it. You know, it's definitely one of the most anticipated movies in a long time. And one that I think we both felt lo looked like a different a level movie? of quality, maybe. Yeah, it looked like an actual movie, maybe for yeah. a little bit of a change. Everything that they said yeah. the Eternals was going to be, this actually kind of had it. So, yeah, uh, we should get into it. Uh, the latest movie in the MCU. We will talk all about vibranium deposits, ankle wings, and Disney Plus spinoffs in just a bit. But before we dive into a more spoilery discussion, let's talk generally about... Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which follows Queen Ramona, Shuri, M'Baku, Okoye, and the Dora Milaje in the wake of King T'Challa's death. As the powers of the world threaten Wakanda's independence, a new threat rises from the ocean's art. The legacy of the late Chadwick Boseman hangs heavy over this film. It lingers over the film since production first began. So, how do you feel that Black Panther Wakanda Forever manages in moving forward without the star of the first film at its center? I mean, this is a whole discussion that we could have here. And I know that there's been uh, several people, shout out our, our dude Eman, he's been pushing the recast T'Challa movement. I know that was a huge uh, point that a lot of people had in, if you have a fictional character and you want to continue the character's legacy, you know, when it comes to Batman or anybody else, uh, I really understood the movement's idea of, we don't want to start from scratch. We we want mm -hmm. this character who we fell in love with to continue. Look, I also understand it's going to be really difficult when you order something <laughs> off the menu and you really like the ingredients they use to just be like, okay, it'll be the same thing with different ingredients. We also really fell in love with Chadwick Boseman. Uh, you right. know, if, if something would have happened to Robert Downey, were they going to recast Robert Downey? It's too much to change. Uh, mm -hmm. But I understood the movement and I, and I understand wanting to separate the two. Because the artist passed, it doesn't mean that the character, the icon, the legend has to as well. It, it, it continues forward. Um, so I'm kind of split in that because it would have been interesting to see them continue the story. I don't know if you've heard the rumors of what the original script was going to be. But I there's read some elements. There's some elements. We'll get into spoilers later. There are parts of two, even with all the changes that it's had, that makes rewatching one even better. You can tell that they were going to do something crazy with the way that one ends that would have led into two, three, the series. Who even knows what, the, what else? But because of, you know, the what ended up happening, they, you could tell that they took whatever five, six years down the line, whatever that story that they were going to lead into, it had to be pushed up. And because of that, look, I don't think it's better than the first movie. It makes the first movie better. But there's something about this movie and being able to handle grief in real time and being able to understand that they weren't going to replace Chadwick Boseman, that the movie, in its rushed state, in its grief state, 
is a lot like what the team and what the family is going to behind the scenes. And there's something about that I respect. It doesn't mean that it's the epitome of a movie about grief. And I've heard people say MCU is finally covering tragedy. I think they've had. I'm not going to say this is the best, (laughs) but uh, I think it turned out very well as an honor and a memorial for Chadwick Boseman. Even the beginning, bro. I think it might have gotten you. But in the second time when I saw it, the silence in showing the opening title and stripping every character except just the moments with... uh, Chadwick Boseman, I thought was beautiful. And uh, I don't know, some people may have not been tested, but there was a lot of sniffles during those 10 seconds of silence at the beginning. And I thought it was a beautiful yeah. way to honor him. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think I've been brought to it, brought to tears faster by a movie since Up. Like, it's really just from the very beginning. They throw you right into that sense of grief and sense of loss that, you know, maybe isn't why everybody is here. Uh, for this movie, but, you know, I think is kind of necessary when you consider what a gigantic presence uh, Chadwick was particularly attached to this film. You know, his presence is so large that you you feel him in this film, even though he doesn't actually act in it. Um, But yeah, I I thought thought the way they handled all that was pretty beautiful and pretty touching and um, felt appropriate given, you know, how unlikely a scenario it is to or how like hard I think I guess it seems to kind of weave that line in the middle uh where you're honoring his legacy but still moving forward with like a piece of mass entertainment so (laughs) that's kind of an issue right well that's the thing and that's maybe ultimately what hurts the movie is like trying to do both things at once but yeah I thought that at least the the moments that they had to kind of let us all collecti- collectively grieve the loss of one of our, our great actors and one of, you know, people's favorite heroes it is, um, I thought it was powerful. They wouldn't need it to do. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, that, that silence over the uh, opening Marvel scroll is just, it really hits you, really hits you. So um, I thought yeah. that was pretty, pretty special. Um mm-hmm. The original Black Panther film, of course, has one of the more memorable Marvel villains in Killmonger, one of the better villains in the MCU. Wakanda Forever has Namor to inherit those reigns. Art, what did you think of Namor as well as Tenoch Huerta, the actor who plays him? Uh, shout out to Noach, bro. He's been in several movies coming up. We've caught him at some indies at Sundance. He was in a really big movie last year. Blumhouse's The Purge, Forever Purge, July 4th weekend, number one box office release. So I always kind of got to, I got to laugh when it says introducing. Right. Intrud- Come on, bro. Really introducing? Man's been out here. He's had a number one movie. He was the lead. <laughs> my man's, that my I, man's got a, a list on his IMDb. It's not, but it's you know not Marvel introducing. Yeah. 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 They'll bring Brad Pitt, say introducing. Uh, but nonetheless, I thought it was really cool to see him appear in what really is, you know, I'll be honest, the biggest release that this dude has ever been in. Um, and while he's had several performances in Mexico, and like I said, he's been in several movies since then, uh, The Undertaking that he took here, because he put on muscle. They had the mm-hmm. shorty shorts on the boy, <laughs> which is, I can only imagine having to film in those the entire time, not having anything fall out of that. But. Like, he learned to swim. He said he, he was able to break his record of five minutes uh, underwater, no breathing. And as I stated on Twitter, we are in the era of blue water people. With Avatar on the horizon <laughs> and with this one, there are so many sequences uh, where they not only take place, um, you know, inside the ocean, but there's also a bunch of different languages. And uh, to move a little forward, what I liked about Namor's character and bringing in that entire... Um, his entire group, because they're the Talocan. Talocan, I want to make sure I'm saying it right, because I know that there have been switches from the comics. Uh, in the yeah. comics, his name is Namor. Now it's a little mm-hmm. bit more Namor. You know, they, Namor, they roll the yeah. R's on it. They, they have a backstory <laughs> that we'll get into, into spoilers in a little bit. But yeah. uh, they have switched it from being Atlantis, the underwater city, into what is now more an underwater city near Mexico off of the Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, yeah, much more related the to the uh, to the ancient Mayan history rather than kind yeah. of being, you know, of myth. They recently did that as well with Doctor Strange and changing uh, America's character from being an alien to still having uh, kind of more Latina roots. Like, I, I this is what MCU does. They like to switch things around, and as long as it still works, I'm okay with it for the most part. I do find the explanation of his name hilarious it is telenovela level we're going to get to that but the idea that you have um 
uh, Kugler coming in and really bringing his San Francisco side. In San Francisco, he mm. says being raised uh, in the Bay is a place where you have all of these cultures coming together and they're working off of each other and, you know, you're intertwining with each other so much and that that was always going to be an idea for two and that that was one of the big reasons why he specifically wanted this black and brown uh, cultures coming together, clashing and, you know, telling a story about that. So I appreciated that perspective because that was one thing I was really looking forward to on those spec scripts from two. And I thought he killed it. He has explained that he is not a villain. He is just the antagonist. And as an antagonist, (laughs) we're getting to that point where a lot of MCU villains now are no longer bad guys. Loki's got his own series. You just mm-hmm. brought up one of the best villains in the MCU from the previous movie. Woo! And that... We're in spoilers, right? Uh, not in spoilers yet, but we can say that, like, one of the things Ryan Coogler really seems interested in is writing his villains in a way where you can, like, understand and sympathize, empathize, maybe even be on their side. And I think that is really one of the things that it does kind of set the way that he writes MCU films apart from most other people is that he's really trying to... Uh, to, to get at these very, like, thematically resonant ideas that make uh, make the, the need for conflict come out of more than just evil yeah. ideas, evil thoughts. So I, I, I also really liked uh, the, the writing for Tenochtitl and uh, how, how they kind of try to kind of create an alliance or like a, a uh, similarity of sorts between the story of his people and Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it develops and you notice new things about why they're coming together, you see it as almost what's going to be a setup for several movies to come in the future. But uh, I thought he did a great job in the performance. I'm curious to see how they're going to expand it, be it in a movie, be it in a series. I don't know how much you know about Namor, but like technically he could be in a relationship with Storm since they've been together in the comics. Like that could be something mm. that they have in the horizon. Um, I-, I need you to give me that spoiler warning because I have a thousand miles a minute now that we're talking about a bunch of other things. We'll we'll get into the spoilers soon. Let's talk a little bit more generally just to talk about Wakanda Forever coming out in what many people feel is like a low period for MCU movies, Phase 4. Do you think that this movie did enough to break the trend of Phase 4 disappointments? Uh, no. <laughs> like I said, it's, it's still, still set up for the too? other ones. Yeah. Um, what, what did it set up? Sorry? What did it set up? I mean, there's at least one Disney Plus series coming off uh-huh. one of these characters, if and not like more. The last one had a Disney Plus series. It feels yeah. like everything is still, it still feels like a trailer for the next thing. I like yeah. this one. It's one of my favorites out of Phase 4, and I think it's able to Same. start maneuvering it a little bit forward. But I can't lie and be like, it didn't really push it any more forward than the previous ones have done. Each one just reminds you, hey, do you remember this character from the other thing? We got something. We got something. And it's been, we got something. We got something for a lot of it. So I don't know how much more it's going to be able to add to phase four. But again, it's like a pause period. This is a tribute movie. So the parts where it is trying to expand phase four, it takes away from the tribute. And Mm -hmm. when you're trying to expand phase four, yeah, it's just vice versa to it. Um, There are characters who appear in the movie who I think are supposed to be cameos. That is a spoiler. Uh, I am tired of seeing these characters appear, and I don't think they add much to it, including even what has become like the attachment (laughs) to the Black Panther series. Uh, Martin Freeman has become the go-to. I went back to Civil War. That's when Black Panther appears. Martin's right along with him. Black Panther 1, right along with him. Black Panther 2, right along with him. Uh, I love the theories. People started saying that Martin Freeman might have been the next Black Panther. That would have been a hilarious way to see it. (laughs) But... uh, Anytime that you have his character, that's when I felt them really trying to push what the upcoming series and Secret Invasion and any of those stuff uh, that, that might entail in, into future storylines. And they just felt dull. It made me want them to just leave. When he does that in the first movie, I laugh, bro. <laughs> it's so funny. So, yeah, those I mean, were the dullest parts for me. That's the thing is, like, I think... On, uh, at some point, this film does become a little unwieldy. There's so many characters that they have to get through and have to uh, sit down and introduce and and catch up with. And, you know, you, we're unlike the last film in which we're mostly just kind of dealing with Wakanda and the internal conflicts of Wakanda. This one, you know, we're we're going to MIT and we're going to CIA in Virginia and we're going to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And there, there's just all these new uh, setups and I, I, it did feel a little more like this movie was kind of 
in fits and starts. It would start and then stop for a few minutes and then start again. And especially when you consider that extended runtime, that two hour, 41 minute runtime, almost a half an hour longer than the first one. Plus it's like less fun by virtue of their trying to reckon with a, a traumatic loss. Yeah. It, it slows down. It slows down. I will say the one thing that this movie does better than the first is its consistency in terms of its CGI and the way that you're building these characters. You've lived with them a little bit, so you're able to spend more time with them. You understand their approach and where they come from as characters, the tech, uh, but especially the CGI. I think the fight sequences in here are a lot better when it comes to the VFX. However, I think that Black Panther one's more creative visually yes. is able to do a lot of cooler stuff and it could be you know how they always say you're writing your first movie your entire life and then the second movie is like in a year or two or whatever it is that first movie has so much creativity from the costumes and everything that it was awarded for um from the from the start it wasn't as consistent though i i you know rewatching the under underground railroad scene and the fight sequences it's like damn y'all gotta patch this up hopefully in the future like you did spider-man this new one though it looks so clean, dude. They had these super duper cameras out there for the mm-hmm. slow motion scenes. There were some mm-hmm. sequences with the way that they were fighting on that bridge scene that were fantastic, but they weren't as interesting, as innovative as the first movie was. So it's like you got to like, yeah, it, it got split down the middle uh, in that sense. But I don't know how you felt about the uh, action sequences. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a step up from the first film, especially when you come to when it comes to the CGI. It feels a little bit more of a piece with this film. I think there's been some reporting talking about why, like the way that Marvel pre pre a lot of their scenes, uh, that, that climactic sequence in the first Black Panther film just sort of feels like it's from a different movie. There's nothing quite like that in this film, but like you said, mm-hmm. it, it just feels a little bit more bland, a little uh, less unique. I don't know if that's just because like the very last trailer before this one plays is another Disney produced water set fantasy sci-fi action film. That looks uh, like it just unlocked technology we have never seen in our lives. So I have to sit with this appetizer knowing good and well. <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah, it's I, feel like, you, I feel you. I don't think anything in the in Black Panther Wakanda Forever looked particularly bad, but when you compare it to the stuff that like James Cameron is trying to do, especially considering they're both about like blue water people, there, yeah. there is a disparity there. Uh huh. For that, um, but again, I think I think he did. He was able to approach it from a character perspective this time around. I like who fights yes. who. Uh, the way that it's able to develop the story and move forward with it. Uh, and overall, I, I still think it looked very beautiful. I thought the uh, sound design and visually it was stunning. I will say, I don't know where you got to catch yours, but I had explained to you that it, we went to go see it at Adobe for the press screening. And it didn't really feel like yeah. it was fully in Adobe. felt very dark. Mm-hmm. And we had just talked about movies being pretty dark sometimes. And going to go see it in IMAX, it wasn't any better. But the IMAX didn't do hmm. anything wrong. It was projecting the way it should have. So I don't know if you felt that the movie was a little too dark on your end, how you were able to see it in IMAX or not, because uh, even in our first one, part of it was kind of cropped. And I know that upset a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it was, it looked pretty good to me, particularly that final sequence uh, where it really opens up. I thought it looked okay. Maybe some of the underwater stuff could have uh, benefited from a, a little more light, but I, mm. I don't think I necessarily had that same problem as you did. Fair. Um, Talking about else? one more thing before we get into our spoilers section, uh, it's easy to overlook that uh, ju- because it was such a big sensation, Black Panther also was nominated not just for seven Oscars, it won three of them. Do you feel like Wakanda Forever has a shot at some of the same Oscars? Maybe, but again, I feel what was a really big push for the first campaign was look at these costumes and the amount of detail that we're able to go to. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the second didn't update the costumes, but if it's just bringing in the costumes again with some variations, I don't know how the Oscars are about that. Like, are you just going right. to get an award for the same set of costumes again? But again, there's alterations. You, All the other superhero movies, when they update their costumes, also get it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, but again, there's there's just... That sequence that you barely get at the end of this movie, where they're all there for the Black Panther off the cliff ceremony, right? Right. You get that to a way higher degree in the first movie. When you're going mm-hmm. through Wakanda and you're seeing it, I just feel they flexed that a lot more in the first movie to be able to score the awards that they did. And it's not so much mm-hmm. here. But I will tell you this. Um, the Wakanda Forever series, 
what we all feel is like, yeah, all the notes to make that series and all the costumes and everything. I'm sure the Imagineers at Disney are also taking down all of those costumes and the way that it's going to look. Because we all know they're going to eventually build a Wakanda uh, in Disney. It's it's going right. to be inevitable. So I definitely see, uh, while it may not be for an Oscar, they're not done with any of the world building that they've, that they've uh, created here. And I think that's a big reason why it's not Black Panther 2. It's Wakanda mm. forever. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like even though there is maybe some similarities with that first film, there still is enough new stuff that I would be, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ruthie Carter, uh, the costume designer or Hannah Beachler, the production designer get at least nominated again. Although some of the other, yeah, some of the other uh, categories in which it was nominated in, including best picture, I feel like are, are definitely much more long shots, if not like impossibilities at this point. Like I just, I I feel like it's not going to be a sensation, a revelation the way that the first film was. And and that might get out of those, those bigger races. Although the first one did get nominated in sound. So maybe this one would get a sound nomination as well. I don't think we're going to get the uh, Angela Bassett nomination that a lot of people were hoping for as good as I thought Angela Bassett was in this movie. I thought she was incredible. And this woman came in acting like she wasn't in an MCU movie. That one specific sequence, right there, that first one that you see in the courtroom or in the uh, the the meeting with everybody in uh, Switzerland, fantastic scene. But when you get to that big sequence that you see in the trailer where she's wearing the red gown, incredible. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. moments in the movie from both times that I've seen it. And she commands the screen. Something like The Woman King will probably be able to push uh, Viola because of the sequences that she has. But just because it's an MCU movie doesn't mean that she didn't come into work. She yeah. ate that up. And we will be discussing more about her character. But, dude, give, flex on her, dude. She killed it. Way too good. Yeah. Way too good of a scene. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's one of the things about these MCU movies is that luckily they are able to draw on amazing talent. So when you need someone to to scream and yell like a matriarch who's had her family ripped away from her, uh, Angela Bassett's going to carry the weight of that scene and, and really live up to to the emotions that you need from a scene like that. So she's incredible. I would love to see her uh, sneak into supporting actress, although I, I have my doubts about it. Yeah, she doesn't um, but need yeah. to. She but doesn't. Yeah, yeah she, doesn't she was easy. If there, if there was MCU award, she would get it. But I do agree with uh, Classic Reviews, who had said in the chat, uh, shout out for the super chat, but I said Ludwig. Ludwig's got some yeah. songs in the soundtrack. He I think it was with won that Oscar or, or, last time, I think, right? Bro, or, no, like the soundtrack is good, dude. Yeah, yeah. And they had released the the OST, and there's a song at the end of the credits. If you stay till the end of the credits, there's a secret Rihanna song. And that mm. song wasn't in the OST until this morning. And it is sick. There's a little way that they combined it. And Ludwig's great at doing this. He did it in Creed as well and the first Black Panther where he's able to bring the song and the song's bridge, the instrumental becomes the score of the movie. And it sounds... Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So I would love something for Ludwig. Uh, and I really love the Rihanna song. Uh, Lift Me Up has been on repeat at, in this household for the last week. Nice. Yeah, it, I would not be surprised at all to see Rihanna make the cut. I mean, it would definitely be good for the uh, Oscars ratings if they could promise a live Rihanna performance during them. Although whether you know, or not Rihanna wants to show up to the Oscars is maybe a whole busy. other question. She's going to be busy next yeah. year. All right. So uh, before we get into those spoilers, let's just do our quick recommendations should people leave their house to see black panther wakanda forever i think so i think if you're a fan of the first you are obviously going to go see it if you're an mcu fan you're obviously going to go see it but as a classic just regular movie goer i think this is one of those films where everybody has an attachment to the first because it was a worldwide phenomenon and i think you should leave your house be a part of it see it on a big screen because uh the imax sequences i think are worth it it's not like the other mcu films where the whole thing is going to be as big but when it's Mm -hmm. big Damn, it's worth it. And it's a story you want to sit with a group of people to watch. So I would give it a high combo price. Go see it opening weekend. Get your little popcorn box. Do what you got to do. It's definitely an event movie. It doesn't mean that it's a masterpiece of a film. It's not, I would say, the best sequel everybody wanted. There's going to be people where it's going to hit with them because of the connection they had to the first. Because of something they're going in their personal lives. And to me, um, only Ryan Coogler could have made a somber movie like this. So shout out to him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think if you liked Black Panther, then it's probably worth a trip to the theater. Like, I, I, I think it's, you know, you want to be there for event movies like this. And it was at, it was added to, it added to my experience to be surrounded by people who were really, really into it. You know, hearing the sniffles throughout the theater. I think there's something 
about like collectively going to grieve something that uh, makes it maybe hit a bit harder. So I would mostly recommend it all. I think there are some people who if you, and you probably know this based on your own relationship to MCU material, but probably can wait for this one to hit Disney plus. Cause it is not necessarily one of the best uh, MCU movies. It's probably one of the best ones we've gotten in a little while. But best mm-hmm. period, I, I don't really feel like it's in that discussion. So you like uh, it more than uh, Multiverse of Venice? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. There's there's like stupid little things I like about Multiverse of Madness, but especially, but even the further I get away from that movie, the less I want to like revisit it. I might actually revisit this one because there is like a power to it, even if yeah. it's worse. I don't, I don't I know if that makes sense. I, I see what you mean. There's yeah. more heart to it to a degree. And again, like I yeah. said. Watch it back to back with the first, and I think it elevates it. All right, so we are going to jump into some spoilers. So if you haven't yet seen the film and you don't want to be spoiled, may I recommend you go check out our best movie stars in their 40s bracket. That was a fun episode. We just put it up this week. We also got some longer reviews of Banshees of Anishirin and Armageddon Time, as well as our normal weekend must-watch. But for those of you still around, let's talk in spoilery detail about Black Panther Wakanda Forever and started off with, with a Ryan Gosling face. As- <laughs> uh, Art, with T'Challa gone, Shuri is left to take the mantle in Wakanda. How do you feel about the way that Wakanda Forever handled her rise to the role and how do you think Lakatisha Wright did when she got to assume the reins of Black Panther? I believe it was always going to be her eventually. Like I said, whatever that five-year plan that they were going to do, Mm -hmm. and eventually she was going to be the one to come up with it. And that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of stuff in the first movie where they plant things like that, of how the whole village, the whole place sees her. Um, But then something happens that causes her to have to do it earlier. So that's why I find it fascinating to see an actress who knew, I might get this mantle in a little bit. Right now, I'm still the kid. But then a real-life tragedy happens... So she, in real life, has to grow up just like her character. And I think that that is effectively shown on screen. I think that a lot of the dialogue that's written in the first movie really calls her out as being a child who doesn't care about tradition. And Mm -hmm. this whole movie takes what should have been her storyline in movie four or whatever and goes, damn, we got to rush it up earlier. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. how death is in real life. Again, that's the best Thing that this movie does of having Ryan Coogler, a person who can bring in the outside world and put it into a fictional property, because the MCU loves doing that, making connections, and sometimes it's not fully there. They just, you know, uh, Black Widow, they hired someone who made a really good adjacent movie about kids being taken during war and then just said, forget all that, try to make something else in the MCU. It wasn't effective. Coogler knows how to get into those little nuances of it and the lines that they say uh, in this movie sound a lot like their press interviews. They all sounded like a family when they made the first. So seeing how they deal with it in the sequel, um, yeah, I thought it was very touching. She's not as good as her mama, though. I'm going to be completely honest with you. We were talking about her mom standing out in some of these scenes. It's because Letitia comes out and once she has the mantle, look, she looks cool. She rocks it, especially when she's covered. Yeah. Bro, there's one line when she fights and she goes, I'm the Black Panther. And I was like, oh, girl. <laughs> both times that I've seen it, it's on the ship. When y'all see it, I really hope y'all don't burst out laughing during that scene. But they needed <laughs> to do a second take on her because there are some times where she, if she holds her ground, she can deliver the line well. But she's missing that bass in her voice and, and she was mm-hmm. like very sporadic with it that, I don't know, if I, it's, it felt a lot like a little kid trying to, trying to fight their daddy's battles as opposed to when mm-hmm. her mom is the queen demands something. And is looking at Okoyo and, and kicks her out of the place that you feel that levity to it. But again, that comes with time. Overall, she was okay. And I, I specifically liked uh, her growing up in this movie. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's something to that because she is a radiant star and has a lot of charisma. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, the things that really made her pop off the screen in the first movie, she's kind of asked to not do most of them in Any this one. She's them. such a... Yeah, she's such like a bright bundle of of like uh, spunky energy and she's, you know, subversive and funny and cracks wise and and a bit rebellious. And like other than maybe some of the rebelliousness, her character is very different in this film, obviously out of necessity, given the 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 real world and fictional world changes around her. Um, 
But I think it is kind of like a sharp turn for her as an actress. And, you know, Chadwick's a guy who had like a, a pretty lengthy career before he rose to the mantle of Black Panther. Letitia doesn't quite have as much movie experience. And I wonder if there's maybe still like a bit missing in her movie star education that like to, to hold the center of the frame that way and, and command that power. I don't know if she, she quite was as uh, does quite as, you know, charming or leaps off the screen as she, she does in the first or that Chadwick does in the first it's, Mm -hmm. it's a capable performance and she gets, she, she gets the job done for sure. There's some moments where she's actually quite good. I don't know if it's like the best performance I've seen from the MCO or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But she's got it all built for her. I really like the line Mbaku gives her. Like, it's all written for her there. Uh, yeah. You have gone through way too much loss to be considered a child. So mm. uh, who knows? Maybe in the upcoming one, she'll be able to elevate it to another level. Because a, a really side thing here was uh, I've always felt that what they were going to approach in the MCU was the split like they have in the comics, of the Avengers being the old heads, what would have been Black Panther, uh, Doctor Strange, Thor, you know, all the older heads. But then you would have had the young Avengers like they do in the comics, and she could have been the leader of that. Now she's kind Mm. of like in this awkward in-between where would she be an Avenger? Would she be a young Avenger? Does she stay home at Queen? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. There's a a lot to still build up for her, and uh, I hope that she's able to get a lot more... um, performances on the side, specifically because I don't think she's been able to be cast as a leader. You know, mm-hmm. as when Thor did his whole change, what Chris Hemsworth do, he went and did a bunch of roles just to practice his comedy. I wish that they gave her more roles to be able to practice being a leader. Chadwick had several leader roles and it helped him with his performance there. So she just needs to practice. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I maybe like how by the uh, next classic one. said she went from doing what are those jokes to now being the, the person who's got to handle everything. So, yeah. No, and and hopefully, like, maybe the Black Panther Wakanda Forever experience is enough to kind of uh, give her that experience for, for whatever comes next in the franchise. But we'll we'll talk about the future of the character in just a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about who shows up in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, because we haven't yet mentioned Julie, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's Valentina, who does play a limited role in the film, although I feel like the cameo that most people care about the biggest surprise for me as somebody who doesn't pay attention to all the rumors was the return of michael b jordan's killmonger who shuri sees in her vision after ingesting the heart-shaped herb the heart-shaped herb um and obtaining the powers of the black panther art were you happy to have killmonger back I liked him. A lot of people were saying it was going to be Doctor Doom. I don't know where that came from, but he probably had the biggest random. cheers. It would have been made no sense. His work, because it was very effective to when he appears in the story. And having that ability to have uh, Shuri go through her own process and have to face the one person she would have spoken to because of the state of mind that she's in, I thought worked incredibly well for the story. It's very rare that you get these Absolutely. Marvel cameos where it doesn't feel forced. Like mm-hmm. in Doctor Strange, where they're like, I was, what, what, what's his name? Sam Raimi said, I was forced to have this guy from the office <laughs> as a cameo, and I don't even know what it's for. Um, this, like, it actually felt akin to what the character's going through. You have a parallel in where in Civil War, T'Challa lost his father. He lost a parent and gets forced to take care of Wakanda in a crisis where it needs to either open its doors to the world or not. Shuri has lost a mother, a parent, and is struggling with does she need to open the doors to Wakanda or not? Like, they are literally going through a parallel storyline. And to have him, her cousin, appear in this sequence to let her know, are you going to be a hypocrite like your father? Are you going to be a noble man like your brother? Or are you going to get the job done like me? He still continues to bring it. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) And to think that he's taking Kugler's job and directing for Creed 3? Right. Michael Michael B. stays winning. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was it was great to see him, not only because he is such an iconic presence in this franchise now uh, and because he's an actor that I just generally like seeing, but, you know, because this film does sort of have this kind of, like, funereal effect to it, it, I don't know if this is a weird analogy, but, like, when you have a funeral for a family member, you want all the family to actually show up, and, and Michael B. Jordan is a big part of the Black Panther family, so the, that they were able to include him here does feel that much more resonant, that much more powerful. Uh, I'm I'm sure it was, you know, a big deal for all of them too. And it's to do it in a way that actually feels of a part with the movie doesn't feel like they're breaking the rules of their own reality to just 
pull in a familiar face. It works and it works, you know, maybe better than I would have expected it to had I known about it heading into the film. I also didn't know about it. Like, I felt like maybe someone would have said something, but that Doom one was so dumb. That was the only thing that was in the back of my head. Plus that scene when she's revisiting, uh, when she awakens again after taking the herb, she wakes up in the same spot that her mom drowned. And I thought that was like a very eerie thing to do to be met with him. So very good. The other one, Zach, that's your girl. (laughs) I think you're a bigger VP than I am. Can you can you tell me I don't why? Know. Oh wait, are we going to Julie Louis Dreyfus? Because I do want to talk yeah. quickly about why they cast the love of my life, Lake Bell, and then <laughs> killed her off after two minutes and then threw her in the lake. Yeah, I <laughs> I saw her in the IMDb and I was like, dang, this is gonna be a really big character. And she has some lines right? that are pretty subtle, especially on a rewatch where it's like, okay, it seems like she's been doing stuff in the background. My only theory is that she probably has more scenes that were cut. Or two, she's going to be there in the future because in the beginning, you have the talk in Switzerland where you have the French people and the United States. That guy appears multiple times. Right. I feel those two people, the ones who continue to want to like steal the the vibranium. Vibranium, yeah. Someone who's responsible for finding vibranium. I feel like all of those are going to be part of secret wars, secret invasion, something. So it's like we're going to get flashbacks with those characters. And that's what I mean about watching things and knowing that that actor right there from The Good Doctor, Mm -hmm. I know he's been cast to be something a little more. And we have a theory about that if you want me to get into it. Oh, sure. I mean, the the thing I heard is that she was potentially somebody who was going to show up in a post credit scene that ended up not getting attached to this movie. See? And knowing what her demise is and where she plays in the movie, what else could the post credit scene be other than someone else working i'm telling you my idea is that it's secret invasion for the reason that they keep saying that there is stuff planted in every movie and we're gonna Mm. get the big reveal we're gonna rewatch every movie and i think everyone's of the accord that it's gonna be this doppelganger or oh no someone was uh switched out and it's really a a, a scroll that's gonna be like the really big twist so i keep seeing all these characters and wondering who isn't who and in my opinion MCU has a really good track record of saying that they don't work with the U.S. and the U.S. military, blaming things on the U.S. so that the MCU fans can be like, see, they blamed it on the U.S. But then you Mm -hmm. remember that they don't ever actually blame it. Winter Soldier was not the U.S. It was Hydra infiltrating the U.S. So now Mm -hmm. we have another storyline where they've got her, someone who works for the U.S., and the U.S. dude who was uh, called out in the Switzerland scene, and her, who literally has a line saying... First of all, I, I don't know which one was worse. I want to jump on your Peloton. <laughs> or, oh my gosh, I dream of Vibranium for the USA. They're just yeah. vomit-inducing lines. And I know they didn't write this for her in V, bro, so I don't know what's going on. We'll get to her. My idea is, is that every time they blame the US, it ends up being a cop-out. Yeah. It's always Hydra, and they're blaming the US again. So all in my mind, I'm thinking is they're going to do this to the dude in a future right. thing, and they're going to be scrolls. Uh, so that's my theory. Yeah, they wouldn't you get, you actually... Get her, bro. That's your girl. Well, I mean, I think I think she knows how to sell the jump on your Peloton line as cringy as it might be. Um, But I I don't know. I don't really get her presence in these movies. I think, you know, they are sort of stringing us along and trying to allude to the idea that like there is going to be some world colliding event somewhere in the distant future. She seems like she's going to be somewhat involved with it. But Nick Fury. I guess like they're also doing this thing that I don't like in which they're sort of riding the line of like, are you supposed to like her? Are you supposed to not? And I don't know. I feel like I, I, yeah, I feel like they don't really do that well in, in this, like it, she's just sort of a frustrating presence. And I I don't know. I, I don't really understand why they are shoehorning in somebody into, into all these parts in a way that's like, it's never exciting to see them show up. And the way that it works out is... As much as I love Julie Louis-Dreyfus and I want her to get the, yeah. bat, the bag. That's what I'm saying. But look, the way she's implemented in this movie by being someone who needs to figure out uh, why is every, why are the Wakandans attacking people because of the vibranium, which one I think there's an answer mm-hmm. to that already. But they don't know about this external force, about the notion and all of his people. They don't know about it anymore. So to her, she is introduced with a really big revelation that she is the ex of Martin Freeman's character. <laughs> a woman literally yeah. yelled out in my second showing, why? <laughs> I don't see what it connects other than forcing them to be in some sort of relationship. Right. But there's a part in this movie where she and Martin Freeman are always going around and Martin Freeman at a crime scene, even though every 
piece of evidence has been pointed yeah. out. Decides to <laughs> grab something. The beads that were left over from Shuri. Shuri, the most technologically advanced person <laughs> in Wakanda. And she goes, oh, yeah, I had actually left those there for you to grab. Right. And, we, and, and, and we you're going to be the one who you gets them it. first. So yeah, you hacked into Wakandan was... technology that you don't even have access to, which is why this movie has a problem yeah. to begin with. And now you know how to control it and hack it, Zach. They need to <laughs> the, take your girl out. The MCU often has moments of like gaps in logic that make me roll my eyes. And uh, this film was actually pretty f- low on moments like that. But that was definitely one where I was rolling it my is. eyes at the uh, so bad. at the asks to believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when Sherry earlier was talking about like encryption technology uh, with Ironheart, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you get got to make it sure it's like super secure." They just hacked your bracelet. Sure, <laughs> why not? Uh, we should talk a little about Ironheart uh, because yeah. we meet Dominique Thorne's Riri for the first time in Wakanda Forever, and we'll see her in her own Disney Plus series not too long from now. Art, what did you think of Dominique Thorne in the role, and did he make you more or less interested in her upcoming show? Uh, I remember reading her in the comics uh, probably a decade ago almost at this point. Uh, so when they announced the show, I was like, interesting. Okay, we're already developing on what's going to be the next person who's going to be creating this you know, level of Stark tech. Um I think this is the best movie to introduce her in. I think her role fit because, again, the first movie is Black Panther having to deal with a scientist who's kind of getting people to get close to uh, vibranium. It was Claws in the first one, uh, played by our boy Andy Serkis. This time, right. you have yet again another scientist they need to find, but they don't, they're not trying to kill her. They're trying to protect her this time. So it's a nice parallel from the first script. And mm-hmm. I really like the banter between her and Shuri. They're both scientists yeah. and young black women who like understand what it's like to um, always be second-guessed. You know, for right. Shuri, it's because she's not as traditional, so no one like sees her as the person who should be running Wakanda. The same thing for uh, Dominique when she's in school at MIT and she says her professor told her she couldn't do it and that's why she got it done. Uh, I-, I really like the spunk that she brought into the character. Yeah. I'm she kind more of excited has... now... She kind of has the Shuri role in this movie where they don't they don't have Shuri to do the fun comic relief. So they I give it mostly they, to Riri. I thought that was bad because <laughs> the comedy in these MCU movies I've never fully yeah. been a fan of. Sometimes I'll have a yeah. good joke. They're when very Shuri cheesy. did it, the jokes weren't funny that funny when Shuri did it to me. But mm-hmm. I enjoy them because they're all banters with their brother. You rewatch one and you're like, Yo, her whole relationship with her brother in the first movie is just scenes mm-hmm. of them liking each other and making fun of each other and pranking yeah, each other. Yeah, even the and what are those it. joke kind of works in that context. It's to her brother. It's yes. why it makes it so effective to see her grief because all you knew was their love. So to have Dominique come in here and say the jokes that is just an MCU writer saying the jokes, it's so bland. I feel bad for her. Some of the jokes were okay, but it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who it comes from. It's the same writer writing the same joke for every character. Because then Namor that's... later on goes, do you want to visit the underground, the, the underwater? And she goes, yeah, that'd be great. Well, your bones will be crushed because of the water and the depthness <laughs> and you will be into a million pieces. Or we have a suit. Or you can have a suit. What? Yeah. It's the same it... bit in every MCU movie. Very, 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 it's very a... dark. Lighthearted pun. To me, this was my one of my biggest problems with Eternals in that they have this very eclectic cast of characters who are from a wide gamut of backgrounds and have by a the same bunch guy. of different personalities, and they all have the same sense of humor. And Kevin th- that, same, yeah, same cadence. It's maybe it's maybe not like as bad of a problem in Wakanda Forever as it has been in some other films, but yeah, th- there is kind of like a lack of writing to the character in this film, which. In most of these films, which is a bit under yeah. underwhelming. But I'm excited for it. I like seeing their banter. The last time we got it, uh, I've always liked it when Iron Man and uh, Hulk did it, whenever they were doing their scientist bros thing, science bros stuff. So I like right. seeing them as the science sisters. Because uh, I guess we had the science Spider-Men, but they were mm-hmm. like actually working towards something. And I don't know. I, I like seeing it. I like their camaraderie. For she's sure. from Chicago, Zach. You know I had to say it. <laughs> she's from Chicago, but going to <laughs> school in Boston. Uh, so we don't actually get to visit Chicago. I know, but she did say, come come to a Bulls game. <laughs> true, true. So maybe we get uh, Black Panther showing up at, uh, oh, shoot, I was going to say the name we'll of the it. arena, but I forgot it. United, United Airlines? What is it? United Center. Just send him the soldiers. United Center. I, I was close. Before I moved to Arlington. You're close. You're close. 
let's talk a little bit about the post credit sequence. We only get one post credit scene in the film, a mid credit scene with Shuri, Nakia, and a young boy that we'll come to find out is T'Challa and Nakia's son, also named T'Challa, also Toussaint, if you don't want to go with the formal one. Uh, did name, you yeah. take did you take this as a moment to just say the legacy of T'Challa will live on? Or do you actually think this is a moment that's going to have larger implications for the MCU? I'm a little split. One, do you think it's bad that this is the after credit scene? A lot of talk was no after credit scene, out of respect. But this is an after credit scene. Do you yeah. see it out of respect? Or do you see it as like, eh, you're trying to, which I guess is just me asking you the question back. But did you like the after credit scene? You thought it was appropriate. Thought, so here's the thing. I did find it to be kind of beautiful. I found it found it to be a really nice tribute to the, the legacies that live on and and how like the me- it's more than memories like we carry people on within us um and to, if that's all it's there for i think that's wonderful and rare in big blockbuster entertainment like this even the ending when she burns but the it, thing yeah which is beautiful. Uh, i thought that I was actually so liked touching. the ending shot rewatching it her mom tells her to do it at the beginning and she doesn't do it and i was just like that's mm-hmm. i completely forgot that was in the opening yeah part. Finally does it at the end. And I thought that was such a beautiful way to end the movie, to yeah. close out. And then I think this is the first time they've ever done that. The after credits returns to the same ending spot. Very beautiful. Yeah. I mean, maybe they've done it before, but it, it did feel like, like it this. had an added. It definitely had yeah. added resonance this time. And that that shot also is just so like beautiful. I, I, I was in my feelings in this one, man. I It got me. It's beautiful. It got me misty eyed more than once. So I, I, like I, I got to give kugler that much credit at least it it really hit me maybe i'll feel a little more manipulated if they uh, announce like toussaint's disney plus show but but then you do start thinking is this a way <laughs> to be yeah, like, are we about right. to see young t'challa i mean he, you are he's right there yeah, um yeah. it's almost like all right we were going to give it a shuri some stuff happened online and uh, mm. we're going to give it to her still. <laughs> but just in case this doesn't work out, there right. is part of you where you're in your feelings of how beautiful this, that, what it means, what it represents. And then you're also like, does this represent kind of like a cop out in case nobody likes Shuri <laughs> and they cancel her again? Uh, we have young T'Challa. Um, yeah. I, will, I will mention one thing in the movie because there is a moment earlier on where Shuri's talking to her mother right before. They're on the, the riverfront, I think. And... Uh, Namor comes to visit them and says, hey, I need you guys to help me. It's the first time they meet. Yeah. Right before he interrupts them, the mom says, I have something to tell you. And then never says it in the movie because obviously she mm. passes. I don't know if you have an idea of what it could be because we theorized it was her knowing about the child. But at that yeah, point, she hasn't visited Haiti. And when she visits mm. Haiti, when the queen gets there, the f- you're going to love this when you watch it again. The first okay. person who greets her is the freaking kid, dude. And he takes her to Lupita's uh, character. Interesting. So Interesting. that would have been the moment because Lupita says, yes, the queen did meet him. It would have been at the end of that sequence in Haiti before right. Lupita goes to go save Shuri that she would have yeah. met him. And perhaps she knows of his existence yet. Maybe maybe didn't meet him, but is Knew aware him, of it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little conflicted on that part because it feels yeah, like it contradicts yeah. each other. But when you watch it again, bro, you'll because the kid has such an adorable face and a goofy smile that the moment he appeared on the rewatch, and I was like, he's greeting his grandma. Damn. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very cute screen kid. Yeah. They cast that one very well. So. I wouldn't mind it if it's him in the future, but I would also feel kind of like, damn, y'all really put the the plan yeah. B there just in case. Yeah, for sure. Uh, shout out Lupita. I don't know if you were going to cover her, but I thought Lupita did a fantastic yeah. job in the movie. I know that she literally did Black Panther, was not a part of Infinity War or Endgame, um, and then was able to return here with them being able to backtrack and say that she has been in Haiti for those six years. And right. I thought her storyline worked well because you have to remember she has seen multiple people pass. Like she has seen Chadwick die multiple or not Chadwick but uh, T'Challa so for her to have already had a plan set in motion I thought made a lot of sense for her character but Okoye bro I don't know about Okoye's character and they and how they disrespected her dude Okoye has been here since the beginning that's a right hand Mm -hmm. general in the first movie I know they were upset at her because of the fact that uh what's it called they felt she was uh turning 
and following the throne, which would have been held by a our villain, movie one. Oh, Killmonger. Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. the queen literally tells her, nah, you turn on me the first movie, you're gone. Right. But what is brought up, and I don't know if you remember this, she is married to somebody in the MCU. Yeah, it's alluded and to, and he movie. doesn't show up. Yeah. So that's another way they did her dirty. They got Daniel a joke Kaluuya's about her makeup. character, for, for those yeah. who don't know what we're talking about. Daniel Kaluuya's character wasn't in this movie because he said nope. Literally, he went to go film nope. <laughs> so she had no, nobody here. But he still hinted at being somewhere on the side. It's almost like they're building him up to be a villain. So everyone, everyone thinks that she's married to a traitor. They think she's mm-hmm. a traitor yet again. She's the one who loses Sherry. She's the one who gets banished. And then at the end, it's just her by herself. I thought they did her dirty, bro. Half the jokes <laughs> are on her she's head, got, too. At least she's got Michaela Cole to give her forehead kisses. That doesn't seem like the worst that wasn't her. That wasn't situation her. That wasn't her. in the world. That would have been a different no? thing. That would have been uh, two different generals. No, no, no. Uh, because who you're mentioning here, I want to make sure I get the actress's name right. She has been there since the beginning. The character of Ao, played by Florence Kasumba, she's the only one of the Dora Milaje that's been there since Civil War. Not even Denai was there in Civil War. So literally hmm. the last two people from the first time we were ever introduced to Black Panther, my G, it's Ao and Everett Ross. <laughs> Everybody else wasn't introduced to Black Panther the, the following year. Damn. So, um, But yeah, Ayo, that was another one to bring up. Michaela Cole is introduced in this movie as someone who's working a lot alongside Shuri, but she's still a soldier. And uh, they do. They have a relationship together. And it isn't until you rewatch it the second time, because they do what MCU does, a little kiss on the forehead, um, mm-hmm. that you realize they kind of have some banter earlier on where she's always telling uh, Aneka to listen, and Aneka just doesn't. But yeah. uh, it'd be interesting to see how they build that up, especially in the series. But I will mention one thing about Michaela Cole. They put her in the worst suit, bro. I don't like the suits. I don't like them. Yeah, I, so I don't like them. Can we talk a little bit about costumes in general in the MCU? Because they keep doing this thing where they're giving people bulky costumes that cover their face. So now in all the fight scenes, you, you don't get to see Denai Guerrero or Michaela Cole or uh, or the actress yeah, who's do. playing Ironheart, whose name I forget. In the, Dominique Thorne. In the yeah, yeah. In the Ironheart cam. Yeah, exactly. In the cutaways to the Tony Stark cam. And it's not the same thing. It's not. I don't like it. And it just made me think. I was like, what was so cool about the Dora Milaje was how they looked, their spears, yeah. and the strength they brought. It felt so different than non-powered person in suit, robot suit. And now they're they're stripping the Dora Milaje and putting them in yet again more robot suits. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, dude. You, By the time we get the X-Men, more... they're going to be coming in looking like uh, Batman and Batman v Superman in the whole yeah. mecha suit. You know more about uh, Marvel lore than I do. Is, is the whole Midnight Angel thing significant? Or the, is that like another Disney Plus spinoff waiting to happen? It, I mean, everything can be, right? Like there's so much yeah. anything can be. I just don't think that the suit or taking the storyline that way is productive because a big selling point of the first and even the second, the first is we are family. And the second is mm-hmm. we lost a member of our family. We should stick together. So what? Right. The options to split everybody apart? That's the dumbest thing that can happen. <laughs> You know, I don't want to see the individual stories. I want to see them as a collective. That's the whole point. Yeah, and I think, you know, these movies need to get leaner anyway. And, and the adding and the, the expanding is just not really ultimately helping these films. Like, they, they need to get away from these, like, two-and-a-half-hour runtimes and just be a bit slicker. They're lead-ups. If you can pull up a, a picture of our main antagonist in this movie, the big yeah. twist we get at the end isn't even so much that, hey— uh, vibranium isn't just in Wakanda. That meteor that hit Wakanda, it's also near us in our underwater city. And in our underwater city, we know people are going to come for us. So I need you to come help us. I really understand this plan of um, yeah. I'm going to kill you if you don't help me because they're going to kill you anyway. So I'm going to lose some <laughs> of my people in the... Pr- like, <laughs> stand with me or I'm going to waste half of my energy <laughs> on right. you before they come get me. It's like... It makes sense to me until you or get the big like, twist. Next time they're in trouble, they're going to turn to me, the guy that invaded their homeland. That. Exactly. <laughs> I don't understand why right at the end they make it be like, oh, he actually had a secret, secret plan. And it's that, yeah, yeah he wants to set them up in the future. It's almost as reversal of like, they think I'm in their good graces or whatever else. And eventually mm-hmm. Wakanda will be attacked. They'll have to come to the bottom and, well, they're trapped in the water. Yeah. The rumor is Wakandans can't swim. And if, and if you don't want to kill off Tenoch, uh because that's, like, better for Shuri's arc in the character, that's fine. But I don't think you also need to give us that tag of, oh, he's got future plans. We will see Tenoch again. It, it, and I don't know. It just, like, 
it marvelizes this thing in a way that makes the film itself less enjoyable and and reminds you that like they're basically saying, "Oh, the good stuff's still to come. Don't yeah. don't worry if you don't love this you one. Know? This good stuff's still down the road." Yeah, they pitch you a fight, they fight, and then they pull like the purge at the end where they're like, "All right, hey, 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 hey stop." We've actually, we're truce. Here's my shorty shorts and I got Black Panther right here. And it's such a funny way to just wrap it up after a fight. Yeah. Only to then be like, just kidding. There's another fight you haven't seen yet. It's like, I just want to go and eat the entree. That's it. I just want to yeah. go and be fulfilled. And they always leave you with that extra bit. And uh, I do. I want them to go back to making what feels like you just saw a movie and that's it. It can leave you wanting more, but you want to feel like it's yeah. complete. And it doesn't fully yet. But the whole purpose of the movie wasn't her to fully take on being Black Panther or everything else. It was to say goodbye to T'Challa. And at the end, we found that scene beautiful. But I did think that the montage of Sherry was funny because it feels less like the memory she had with her brother. and More like a YouTube montage going through yeah. the franchise of 29 movies. Give me a different yeah. angle. Give me some B-roll. It, I don't know. Something exactly, that would have felt yeah. like intimate that Deleted we've never scenes. seen. It felt right. like I was just revisiting a montage of uh, Marvel Legends on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, a uh, PMV or something. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's also talk a little bit about the man who is responsible for all this, Ryan Coogler. Uh, because this is only the man's fourth film. And he hasn't made an original <laughs> movie in a decade now. What do you hope is next for Coogler? Would you like to see him back for another Black Panther movie or maybe an Avengers movie? Do you hope he switches things up? Would you you would consider Fruitville original? You yeah, two story, two stories original. I mean, it's different than basing it off of IP. I feel like like it. At least the it sell is of it's right? very yeah. different because he got like the true story, and then he's got the IP spinoff, and then he's got the comic book adaptation. Hell right. yeah, I want to see something new. I, honestly, I don't have anything in particular. I want him to do whatever he wants, personally. Totally. I think he has such a vision uh, and perspective, and I really like how he works. He gave this one response in an interview. Uh, it was a sway in the morning, and they had asked him, you know, oh, I'm a really big director guy, and I wanted to ask you a question. No offense to everybody else. And he stopped it, and he said, I appreciate that, but you are talking to all directors. The Nye's directed. Uh um, Baku, he, he's going to be directing soon. Mm -hmm. um, Lupita's working on something. And I know that Shuri... Uh, she, the whole world is hers. So yeah, you're asking a question to a bunch of directors and I'm like, there was no distance. You're so humble, bro. He, yeah. I, whatever. I want him to produce. I want him to oversee. I want him to write. I, I just want him to work on more things. That's it. Yeah. He's talked in somewhat occasionally about he, how he feels like he, or how he felt like he might leave Hollywood, especially after Chadwick's passing and all that is really the only thing I don't want for him. Yeah. Cause he's, he's, he's a very talented filmmaker. And, he, and whether that is in MCU stuff or outside of MCU stuff, I do just mostly want to see more Ryan Coogler stuff. Um, I do think that what you get from these two Black Panther films is that this is a guy who is really smart when it comes to the thematic qualities of his films and, and building yes. in that structure, building in larger societal questions into a more mass entertainment type of product, whether that's the Black Panther yeah. films or Creed as well. Mm -hmm. um, it makes me think that maybe the MCU, which is so reliant on these kind of CGI heavy third act battles, isn't necessarily the best lane for him, but that he can still do something like of the same type of ambition, just maybe outside of that system. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I like you. I just kind of see what I want to see whatever he's got next. I like original films, so I would like it to be an original film. But if he's going to be the guy for, if, the if he's going to be the guy for whatever Secret Wars or whatever, that, that's okay. I think that'll be okay. Okay, for sure. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on Black Panther: Wakanda Forever? Uh, I think Umbaku should be king. I think he's left there for a reason. Shuri, now that she's Black Panther, the new Black Panther should go do, again, mm -hmm. Avengers, Young Avengers. I feel she's going to be traveling the world. Mbaku has deserved. He has been there for any time they've needed him. Homies come in. So mm -hmm. I think he deserves that. I would love to see how they're going to explore Namor. Um, I am very curious to see how this is going to lead up and start tying into the TV series because I feel like this is the first time it's usually, hey, here they are in the TV series. Maybe they'll get a movie. This is the first time mm -hmm. with Ironheart that we got to see her in the movie. And then she's going to have the TV series. So <laughs> what a dope shout out for her. Uh, and I'm just curious to see how they expanded. I 100% think they're going to move uh, into Disneyland and Disney World. 
I think Wakanda is one of the biggest things that they'll be uh, branching out of in the MCU for sure. Um, and we'll, it'll be fascinating to see how they combine Wakanda and uh, Talokan, I want to say. I'm, I'm getting the underwater place right. Yeah. Because, uh, again, I saw some guys fighting outside the theater. And one guy was <laughs> like, nah, T'Challa's the GOAT. And the guy goes, no, Namor's the GOAT. T'Challa just runs Wakanda. This man runs every piece of water on the earth. And I was like, damn. I was, I was looking at him and I was like, this guy really said every piece of blue on the globe, that is Namor's. And I'm like, all right. So there's a lot to do with this character. If they end up bringing mm-hmm. in Storm and they do continue the comic book line of them being married, the noche is going to be here for a while. So there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we didn't talk too much about what we think about the... Uh, the future of Black Panther specifically, the the end end credits ends with the fam- familiar insert hero here will return. When do you think we might see Shuri's Black Panther again? And how much do you want to see uh, Shuri's Black Panther? No, she's part of the team now. There's no way yeah. you could take her off. She's got to be a part of the team. Uh, she's one of the biggest assets because I can't even imagine what uh, Chadwick being one of the leaders of the Avengers and what that new Avengers would have looked like but uh yeah she's got to be a part of it and i'm hoping it's more so in movies than it is tv shows i don't i'm something's worrying me about the one day that we end up seeing a marvel tv show and it's like everyone from the movies is in there Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm gonna deal with that like wait wait, wait. (laughs) what's happened i gotta watch how many hours now (laughs) i don't want to see that because i know when that happens disney's gonna be charging like 39.99 yeah exactly i mean Um, It's interesting because this was such a left turn for the franchise. Uh, Obviously, most people didn't expect for Shuri to be the center of this film until, you know, a couple years ago, I guess. So deciding what happens next obviously is going to have to wait until we see how people really respond to the film, whether or not they they pull the brake in case of emergency Toussaint lever uh, or whatever. Um, (laughs) I I suspect the way that they kind of built up Chadwick through some of the smaller appearances they're now going to try and do that with Letitia and let her show up in some other films have her uh, be smart. you know grow into the role a little more before we do return to Wakanda or whatever adventure is next for Black Panther um, but yeah I mean I am I'm curious to see how they navigate it considering that Shuri's also a very different character than Ch- T'Challa was and I don't think you can mm-hmm. like insert her into the rest of the MCU quite so easily. Yeah. But yeah. So I think the cameo route's the best way. I just thought of something uh, adjacent to it. When we were talking about all of the ideas that were never of fruition, could those end up being what if episodes? Right. Yeah. Right. That's all a what mm-hmm. if episode is. And you just be able to get someone to, to voice it. So Definitely a lot of possibilities still for how they choose uh, to go forward with this character, with the MCU. Uh, We will be back to discuss all of that. But I think that's about all for this edition of After Credits. Uh, Unless you got anything more? No, I would. Again, I would recommend going out to the theater to see it. I think it's worth catching it. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how they expand it. And especially uh, as they start mixing in the movies and TV. Where they'll take it, or what will the new genre? Watch the MCU move to podcasts. <laughs> that, please don't. We're we're doing <laughs> our best in that space. We don't need that competition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall, uh, I thought it was a solid outing. I, I had a good time both both times I watched it. It was an enjoyable experience for the most part. Definitely. I would give it a recommendation as well, although maybe a little more reserved than yours. It's still worth heading out to the theater and enjoying some big screen entertainment. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Shout out to our Intercutie patrons. Give them a quick read off here. They are you and Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Michael, Ashley, Matt, and Mr. Kobayashi. Our Academy level members are Tushar, Marion, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, May, Ricky, and What's a Matter. And of course, a big thanks to the producer level patrons, Awkward and you, Denver. Thanks again for all the support. We gave the shout out to the producers, but a reminder to those of you who have not yet joined the Intercutie Plus team that you can do so over at patreon.com slash intercutpod. 
where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to Intercut episode outlines, early access to some episodes, access to our private channels on the Intercut Discord, as well as an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings for as little as $1 a month. We'll be doing our next patron meeting on Monday, so be sure to get in there at patreon.com slash intercutpod. But that finally is all for this edition of After Credits. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. And check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. Art, where can we find more from you? You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, YouTube, Letterboxd, or every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast, and then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of our Intercut Weekend Must Watch streaming on the YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern, and please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review Shout out to our listeners in Brunei for putting us on the podcast charts out there. Like our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter pages, support our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Make sure to hit that link to the Intercut Discord in the description of this episode as well. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, the Intercut Podcast will return.